So last week was uh, 4th of July, and um, it reminded me of a 4th of July. In fact, every 4th of July reminds me of this 4th of July that took place a number of years ago, probably mm, in the middle to late 90s. And uh, we lived in the city of Crescent City up in Northern California, and uh, they did uh, fireworks off the ocean, um, put a big barge out there and had fireworks, and everybody grabbed sat at the park or at the beach and had barbecues and all that kind of stuff. And it was a great fun thing. The whole city uh, turned out. Well, one, one Fourth of July, we were um, sitting up at the park, kind of on the bluff overlooking the ocean, and we were watching the fireworks just beginning. Of course, we're staring up into the sky, and as we're staring up into the sky, watching these fireworks, in the midst of that, one of the ashes from the firework came and landed in Linda's eye. And it was quite painful for her. Um, and it reminded me of the passage that came to mind when I looked at the passage that we're looking at today in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 1, where it's talking about the speck in a brother's or sister's eye and the log in your own eye. And as I thought about Linda getting that uh, speck in her eye, I was um, grabbed by a couple of thoughts. First of all, um, the speck in her eye was not something that she did to herself. She didn't put the speck there. There was something from outside of her that put the speck there. I also realized that all of my probing in her eye was not going to help the situation at all. In fact, it was very dark where we were, and she just suffered with this speck in her eye. It was, though, something that needed to be taken care of. The speck was there. It was an irritant. But I wasn't the one to take care of it. She needed a specialist to look into her eye and find that, um, that small little uh, speck and remove it. Fortunately, it kind of came out on its own, and we didn't have to do the whole doctor thing. But as I thought about this passage, it took me back to that moment of Linda getting that speck in her eye and my lack of ability to um, get that speck out. So let's look at Matthew chapter 7. Let me um, read it through and... Um, then jump back and make some comments. Jesus speaking here, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about his kingdom, which is an upside-down kingdom from our kingdom. It's so many of the things are, uh, are difficult. He stretches us. I had, um, I want to pick on arena, but I had problems with the music today because every one of those songs greatly convicted me and I had to ask myself, can I surrender all? I thought about my kids in Kansas and in Bolivia and in Southern California and I said, can I really surrender them to Jesus? Can I surrender my home to him? Trust that 
he will take care of it. And should the tornado come, God will still take care of whatever needs to be taken care of. And I mean, the worst thing that could happen is I would lose my life, but God will take care of that too. It's difficult to surrender all, and yet we sing it. And uh, I hope that um, you were able to think about the words some and um, contemplate the, the depth of what you're being called to. And that's what Jesus deals with over and over again in the Sermon on the Mount, that he's calling us to a new depth, a new place to go, to look at the world differently. He sets it out that being part of his kingdom uh, has some demands. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 1, judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give uh, dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. Judge not. Um, we are called as followers of Jesus to be discerning individuals. Paul writes about that in, in Philippians, in the first chapter. He calls us to be discerning. He prays for us to be discerning. We are to look at those around us and look at our world and try to discern truth from error. It's part of our life as a follower of Jesus. But that is not the focus here. We're not talking about discernment. We're talking about judging. Interesting in the word here, judging, is a, it's an imperative that Jesus gives. It's, it's not a um, suggestion. It's a command. If you're going to be my followers, judge not others. And throughout the New Testament, when this word is used, it's, oh, 99% of the time used as a word of condemning. It's not just judging right from wrong, but it brings condemnation attacked, attached to it. A couple of Christmases ago, um, I asked for a book for Christmas, and um, some of you may have seen it, it's uh, on the shelves, or it's a, it's a big book, it's, it's one of those, um, what do you call them, coffee table books, you know, you sit out there, and um, it was about, um, it was a photo book, um, and it was pictures taken during the Obama presidency years. And um, we had it out where people could see it. And 
the place we were living at the time, well, I'll just be honest, they weren't uh, really happy with President Obama. And they kind of looked at me and said, how can you have that book here? They'd already determined my guilt. That if I had a book about Obama, I must have voted for him or believed in what he stood for. I'm not that political. I like the book because it had pictures in it. And I'm intrigued with what goes on in the presidency. I'm intrigued by what goes on um, in the West Wing, one of my favorite television shows. I just like those things. And this book was talking about an intimate look into the life of the presidential family. This photographer followed them everywhere. But it was interesting to me that you put certain things out and people judge you without knowing you or knowing why. And I think that is partly what Jesus is dealing here. It's telling us that we are not to determine guilt without knowing what's going on. Linda could have said, uh, I have something in my eye, and I would have turned to her and said, well, get your finger out of it. Not knowing that there was a little speck there. And she was suffering for it. So Jesus commands us in these first two verses to judge not. Don't be condemning. Remember in James chapter 1 that the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. And I'll just be honest with you, in my own life, um, I can get angry too many times. But when I do, it doesn't accomplish what God really wants to accomplish. And that his grace and his mercy would be known. So what's the solution to verses 1 and 2? The solution to it is we must move forward and respond with humility. Humility, that thing that says, um, I don't know the whole story. In fact, I can't even understand the whole story. But I care enough for you. I understand that... There's an irritant in your life that's maybe causing some inappropriate behavior, but I need to respond to you with humility, putting you first, not my ideas first, but your need first, to not lift myself up, to move forward and respond with humility. And then Jesus, in verses 3 through 5, gives this wonderful picture, like the one we have up on the screen. A man reaching in to get the speck out of the eye, why there's a log in his own. In fact, the, the word here for log uh, really means a large beam. One of those beams that you put to hold up your roof. I mean, it's a thoroughly absurd picture. But Jesus wanted to get everybody's attention. He wanted to make it clear for people that if they had that 
log in their eye, they surely couldn't help someone with the speck in theirs. We are called to self-examination. We are called to look at ourselves first. Jesus does not say we should not help the person get the speck out of their own eye, but get the log out of yours first. So what's the solution to verses 3 through 5? The solution is we need to sit down with yourself first. We need to look in the mirror. We need to, better than that, look into God's word and say, is there some way that I am moving in the way that God doesn't want me to move? Is there something in my own life that really hinders me from seeing and understanding? We're called to... um, sit down with, not stand over. Jason, I liked your story with Jacob, and I forgot the other person's name, but Jacob was there, and what struck me is the other person sat down with them, shoulder to shoulder, eye to eye. It was not lording it over to someone on the bench and saying, you need Jesus, but can I sit down to you, with you and just converse? Can we just talk? Can I ask you some spiritual things? That's the way we are to move forward, is to sit down with, not stand over. To look at ourselves, and I don't know about you, but if I had a beam in my eye, I might need some help in getting it out. So maybe we need to make sure that we are taken care of first before we go around and take the beam out of or the speck out of other people's eyes. Sit down with yourself. Do a little self-evaluation. Then we come to uh, verse 6. I almost wanted to skip over verse 6 because verse 6 is one of those verses that you read, even in context. I mean, you read it after the judging others, and then the next thing that Jesus says is, ask and it will be given to you. And then we have this statement that Jesus makes. Do not give to dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. And I've always read that and said, Huh? What? I mean, why here? And what is he really talking about? Now, I do know some things that I learned as a young kid at my uncle's ranch that pigs are vicious animals. I I saw one go through a cinder block wall once because we grabbed the piglet. Mom wasn't too happy with us. Got a little riled. They are, can be vicious animals. So we need to be careful in how we deal with them. And so the question is, that I ask myself is, what does Jesus want us to know? And I looked in commentary after commentary after commentary, and um, it kind of sped this 
um, went the spectrum from some people saying, well, I don't know what it means, to I know exactly what it means, to some people kind of in the middle that says, maybe we should consider this. And I like to go with the maybe we should consider this. So here's two things I'd like you to consider as we try to decipher this um, tougher verse sentence or so. Number one, we are commanded to take the gospel to all people. It's a command in Scripture. Jesus gives it to us in Matthew chapter 28. Go, make disciples of all nations. We are commanded to go, and yet we need to have discernment when we go. We need to know the right time and the right place to share the truth of the gospel. Some people are ready and some people are not, and it may not be the right place to be. And if we move ahead without discerning the situation, we can often do one of two things. We can either offend that shuts the door in a person's life, or we can cheapen the gospel because we just want to be sure that we get somebody saved. And so we kind of give a lesser gospel, something that may not even be true about the gospel. Like the person who says, come to Jesus and all will be well. <clears throat> I came to Jesus and not everything was well. He is good. He loves me. He has my best interests at heart, but life did not all turn out well. We have to be true. I think the, the passage here is dealing with this idea of be, don't give the holy thing to the dogs. The dogs really don't appreciate the fact that it's holy. We want to give holy things to those who will appreciate that they're holy. And the dog doesn't. He gives the other illustration, don't throw your pearls before the pigs because the pigs don't appreciate pearls. They're just going to trample them underfoot. We need discernment to know when it's right to share the gospel and what the situation is and what is the soil like in a person's life. Did we take enough time to um, till up the soil? I don't know if it's, I haven't seen this happen in Huron yet, but growing up in Southern California and growing up in Northern California, I've experienced more times than I want to admit about someone standing on the soapbox on the corner of the street proclaiming the gospel, telling everybody within earshot that they're going to hell in a handbag and God is going to come back and get you unless you turn your life over to Jesus. I've even done that once or twice. When I went to Biola, we had to go out on the street corner in downtown LA. I hated every minute of it. I did my time and then I left. I'm always a little bit afraid if one of those people would have come up to me and wanted to carry on a conversation. I don't think it was the right way nor the right time. I did get involved in other ministries from time to time that brought you next to the people, 
brought you to the homeless, that you fed and nurtured and developed relationships with. It makes their hearts ready for the gospel. So we need discernment. I think that's one thing that this passage tells us. And the second thing is that we um, need to determine what is most beneficial and appropriate, appreciated. What is going to, if we don't give the holy thing to the dog, what do we give to the dog? That the dog would would be beneficial for the dog. The holy thing is not beneficial for the dog. The pearls are not beneficial or appreciated by the pig. To take time to think about what is beneficial, what is most helpful. There was a book I read um, a number of years ago that was kind of paradigm shifting for me. The title of the book is When Helping Hurts. How to Alleviate Poverty Without Hurting Others and Yourself. And the book takes you through personal experiences of those who went out to the mission field um, to bring the gospel or to bring water or whatever it happened to be and really ended up doing more damage in the area where they went in and did their thing and then went back home and left the people ill-equipped. How many wells are built in Africa by well-meaning people, but we don't leave them the tools or the skills to fix it when it breaks? There are too many wells that are uh, lying dormant, broken, because there is not the skill or the tools. We've probably actually done more hurt than help. And so we need to um, figure out what is beneficial. Remember, the goal is leading someone to Christ. The goal is reconciliation and kindness and love and healing. And in dealing with one another, speck to log, log to speck, it's about winning a brother and sister to Christ or winning this brother and sister back to yourself, as Jesus will go on later to say in Matthew chapter 18, to deal with each other in order to win one another. So what's the solution for verse 6? It's to take time prayerfully to consider what will truly help in the situation. To pray for wisdom, for discernment, and knowledge to know how best to do things. So to sum it all up, when we are moved to offer judgment of another person, when we are moved to take the speck out of their eye, and notice that the speck is a real thing that needs to be removed just whether we are equipped to do it. But remember when we offer judgment that the solutions are to respond with humility, 
Two, take a good, honest look at yourself to get the log out. And three, to prayerfully seek what would be the most beneficial, helpful, and even appreciated thing to do. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.